All right, here is your OMAP field crop update on March 16th, 2016. An early happy St. Patrick's Day to you. According to the United States Department of Agriculture, St. Patrick's Day is the biggest holiday for cabbage sales, and that's no doubt related to the traditional cabbage and corned beef dish served on that day. Today will be a short episode. We'll begin with what we're seeing in the field right now on this day, and we'll end with what was making news in agriculture on this very day way back in 1982. But let's begin with a new segment I'm calling Scout Fire, which is short for check out where the fleabane is at. I'm sure we're all up to speed on the issue with Canada fleabane. There are populations resistant to glyphosate in 28 different counties throughout Ontario. And whether your approach is to manage the species involving herbicides or if you decide to use tillage, regardless, smaller fleabane rosettes are way easier to control than larger ones. So that leads us to... Out fire. Check out where the fleabane is at. So last week, a field in Wellington County that I was in had rosettes that ranged in size from one inch in diameter to almost five inches in diameter with what I would describe as a dull purplish green color. They looked really dormant. There was no real sign of green new growth, especially with the larger rosettes that also had the outside inch, very brown burnt off foliage. So there was some winter kill, winter burn on the foliage, but the plants themselves looked like they were in reasonable shape, just dormant. Fast forward to this week, that burnt foliage had fallen off and it actually gave the impression that those large rosettes actually got smaller compared to last week. But the important news is that the middle of the rosette, where the new leaf tissue comes from, is now a brighter green color. It appears that those mid Celsius temperatures last week stimulated growth of the dormant plant. So it looks like it's springing back to life. At this point, it's not resulted in any new growth. The rosettes are not getting bigger. But those plants just look like they've been woken up for their long winter's nap. And next week, I'll report back if there's anything meaningful in terms of growth. So it just occurred to me that uh, as I talked through that last segment, I mentioned both metric and imperial. And as a child of the 1970s who was in grade school in the early 1980s, I started out learning about Imperial and then was uh, switched over to Metric kind of halfway through. And I flip-flop back and forth between those two systems, Metric and Imperial, uh, quite a bit. And interestingly enough, on this day in 1982, the CBC ran a story about protests involving the adoption of the Metric system in Ontario. No doubt a move that probably had the most significant impact in agriculture. Let's take a listen to this clip from that report in 1982. Those who walk in the anti-metric ranks constantly refer to the tradition and culture of the imperial system. Thorold Dupre's family has had this farm in Napanee, Ontario since 1841. But for Thorold Dupre, the metric system represents more than a break in tradition. He sees it as a constant hindrance during his work day. A farmer weighs and measures things at every turn, and the calculations are often critical. Recently, the confusion between imperial tons and metric tons led to a damaging over-fertilization of his fields, and his new $12,000 seed spreader will have to be filled by imperial measure for the decades it should last. Troubles Thorold Dupre says today's farmer doesn't need. 
everything a farmer does, he has to to be converting all the time because the machinery he has will last anywhere from 10 to 50 years and you'll be converting back to imperial measure all the time. Same way as wrenches. You'll have to have two sets of wrenches. You have to have $2,000 worth of wrenches. And then when he wants to do a certain job, he'll, he'll be sure to have the, the wrong wrench. At a professional level, I struggle with this all the time. Yes, as a provincial government employee, I have an obligation to provide information in metric. But I'm often reminded of a saying my wife has, do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? And most farms are in acres, an imperial term. A lot of equipment, like sprayers, often have tanks with a volume capacity measured in U.S. gallons. Yet the most pest control products are sold in liters and kilogram units of measure. So there's... There's a lot of mix between metric and imperial. It's very much a hybrid system, especially around pest management. And to ignore that is not being very effective. So I'll close off this episode with how this expose on opposition of the metric system ended back in 1982. It's interesting, yet agriculture still deals with this conversation some 34 years later. No matter how noisy the metric revolt becomes, it must be assessed against two realities. Compulsory or not, metric conversion has gone beyond the point where it could be easily undone. And the types of influential individuals or institutions who could undo it don't care anymore if, in fact, they ever did. Metrication is generating a lot of passion these days, but it seems to be the futile passion of a last stand for a lost cause. I'm Lyndon McIntyre in Toronto for The Journal. So our time is up on this week's Field Crop Update. I appreciate the feedback and story ideas. Tell a friend, subscribe on iTunes, and look for the show notes on fieldcropnews.com. Have a great week, everyone.